0: This podcast is not meant to be professional advice of any kind. It is meant to be informative and entertaining. If you make any changes to your life, see the appropriate professional before you do so. Hello and welcome to SuperAge. My name is David Harry Stewart. I'm the founder of AGIST. At SuperAge, we help you live better and become the best version of yourself. And who doesn't want a super age? Welcome to episode 19 of the Super Age podcast. It's great to have you all here. This will be releasing on January the 20th, 2021. This week we've got my good friend Chip Connolly on with us. And we're going to talk about something of great interest to both of us, curiosity. Where does it come from? How can we fuel it? And what is its function? How does it um, what's its purpose in our lives? So super interested to hear what Chip has to say about that. Um, on a personal note, we're back in Park City, Utah. We're in our place where we will be for the next year. We've stayed in a number of temporary places over the last year. And it's really nice to be, to, you know, just to be in your just to be in our own place here. Um, so I've got a, I finally have like my own desk. I've got an office. I'm reunited with my favorite toy, my Schwinn IC4 bike. And, you know, this moving around and staying in different places, which was, you know, not really ideal for a lot of things, just circumstances, we had to do it. Um, it's it's really distracting. So um, I'm looking forward to getting into what Cal Newport would say is some deep work. And it, deep work is, you know, several hours a day of focusing on something. And we have a number of projects to focus on. And one of them is going to be getting into a little more long form work. Um, coming up, Chip Connolly, right after a word from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by Carrie Cran, the clean beauty and natural skin care company whose products I use every morning. Their products are all organic. They're cruelty-free. The company is women-owned and women-operated, and they have some really powerful values working up there, and they walk the talk. And I love their products you know, as I mentioned, I live in the mountains of Utah, and the air in the winter is so dry. And Carrie hipped me up to the idea of putting oils on my skin, which I hadn't really experienced before, and they're fantastic. I start the morning with their Essential Serum. I put it on my face. Um, really helps nourish my skin. And then on top of it, I put their SPF, which is the best-smelling sunblock I have ever experienced. Uh, you really want to check out their products. Great stuff. Great stuff. Top to bottom, the packaging, the ingredients, everything. Since you're super aged listeners, you get 20% off if you go to the Kerry Grant website, K-A-R-I-G-R-A-N. Check out their website. And then in your checkout basket, if you type in AGES20, you get 20% off. Great stuff. Check out what they're up to there. Hey, Chip. How are you today?
1: David, I'm great. Good to connect.
0: Where where are you today?
1: I am in Baja, uh, about one hour north of Cabo San Lucas. So it's uh, southern Baja, and I'm on the Modern Elder Academy campus, which is where my home is.
0: Wonderful, as um, I, as we were just discussing before we got on the call here about um, you're on campus, and I just love the sound of that. Like I,
1: <laughs> <laughs> we should all, you know, what I, I think in midlife we should all go back on campus, whatever that means. Right. Um, and I guess we're going to talk a little, maybe a little bit about something that is about what you do on a campus—is you get curious about learning.
0: Exactly. So, you know, in in the course of what we've done at Aegis, um, and we've talked to we've talked to a lot of people, people ask us what's the red thread that connects everyone. What is it? And the closest I could get to that was that everyone—they seem to be curious. Um, and I w- I wanted to ask you, what's the role of curiosity in your life?
1: It is the elixir of life, in my opinion. Um, so I've been a longtime entrepreneur uh, for about almost forty years now, and um, I, you know what gets a lot of attention in the entrepreneurial world is creativity and innovation, but in my mind, curiosity is the fuel that makes creativity and innovation happen. Without curiosity, you're not gonna be as creative or innovative. So its role in my life has been always to ask the question why, or what if, um, and it was to open up possibilities. So I think what curiosity does is it opens up possibilities uh, and um, there's a place for that in life. And then then there's a place when it's, you know, being too curious actually uh, isn't very efficient. Um, but for me, it, it, I think the best way to describe it is it's helped me to open up possibilities that I might not have considered otherwise.
0: And I've been puzzling on this idea of like, um, why, people are, why people are something curious. So like, wh- why are you curious?
1: Well, let's actually, I, if, if you're open to it, I'm going to start by saying, why is it as we become adults and maybe in midlife and later, We sometimes become less curious. Yes. Why is that? Let's go back to childhood. So, in childhood, we are taught to be curious. Um, That is, you know, we're, and and the studies are fascinating on this. You you know, the average kid in the course of their lifetime, in the course of their childhood, asks something like 60,000 questions. So, childhood is all about curiosity, it's about learning, it's about being, having a beginner's mind sort of fresh eyes and looking at the world that way. And no one ever says, well, that's not true. Most mature adults don't say, you know, shame on you for your curiosity. They just sort of know that's, you know, if you're asking why is the sky blue or why does a banana turn brown after it's yellow? It's like, or it goes from green to yellow to brown. These are questions that a kid asks. And then you move into adulthood and somehow in adulthood, you're supposed to know it all or at least act like you know it all. And um, that to me is one of the, the great tragedies of adulthood is the fact that we're supposed to become these walking libraries of, libra- libraries of knowledge as if the knowledge doesn't become obsolescent with time. Uh, so, and, some, and some knowledge does. So long story short is as we move into adulthood, we feel the need to be smart, not ask questions, but instead have answers. And then add on top of that, the fact that in adulthood, especially midlife, we have so many things going on at once that our lives are basically a train wreck of activity. And we have accumulated so much responsibility, so many friends, so much stuff, et cetera, that the last thing we need in our life is something like curiosity, because curiosity is not an efficient way of looking at the world. Curiosity opens up possibilities, says, what if, et cetera. And you don't have time for a what if. I'll never forget when someone once said to me, after I'd asked three what if questions in a row, to hell with your what if questions. Let's get to an answer. (laughs) And and so I would say for me, uh, back to your question, it has served for me a, a purpose, curiosity, of, excuse the terrible expression, thinking outside the box which has allowed me to be one of the first boutique hoteliers in the United States and to create a boutique hotel company. It's allowed me to eight years ago, join uh, the three young founders of Airbnb when their little um, tech company, Airbnb, was not well regarded in the travel industry. In fact, most people didn't have, had never heard of it. But it, I was curious about this thing called home sharing or this thing, you know uh, this new activity. And it, you know, that curiosity led me to creating the Modern Elder Academy, the world's first midlife wisdom school. So curiosity, yes, can curiosity um, uh, kill the cat? Yeah, it can, but the cat has nine lives. <laughs> and so before it kills the cat, the cat gets wiser and tries more things. And, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe curiosity at some point is, um, it can be a negative. But generally speaking, I think it actually, it means that you have a richer, more vital, and more, a life with more options.
0: You know, people ask me, um, why did I start Aegis? And I just said, it was a curiosity. There wasn't a plan. I was just like, there's this like weird thing over here, I don't understand. Um, Let's investigate it pondering for myself like why why am I curious um and curiosity sort of similar to you has been the the driving force in my life um the desire to to learn more and I I I thought about that for a little bit I thought well why is that and it's um basically I feel inadequate like I feel like I don't know enough I feel really like not very smart or informed and so I'm constantly um, reading and trying to learn things to make up for my inadequacy. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if that's um,
1: well. You know that. I mean, no. That well. What's beautiful about that, David, is there's a humility in that. Um, and you know, I think the humility of recognizing you don't know it all, and but also the curiosity has within it almost this elixir, this sense of like possibility and oh wow learning and you know what I'm curious therefore I want to learn more tomorrow and that sense of striving for understanding or the possible you know exploring possibilities is I think one of the things that helps people live long there's a guy named Peter Drucker famous management yeah
0: oh I love his stuff
1: oh my god well so yeah he he died at age in his mid-90s and He wrote 40 books. He wrote uh, two-thirds of them after the age of 65. Mm -hmm. He had a practice. His practice was that every two years, he would start studying a subject that had nothing to do with being a management theorist and business school professor. Um, But it was a subject that really fascinated him. So Mm -hmm. it could be Japanese Ikebana, um, flower arranging, or medieval war strategies. And then he would, over the course of the next two years, devote a lot of his extracurricular time to becoming an expert on the topic. Now, of course it made him a really great person to hang out with at a cocktail party because he was he had a lot of fascinating knowledge, but I think more than anything what it did is it just allowed him to take that sort of that elixir, that lubricant of the mind and heart and soul of curiosity and be a fascinating person. And I think I don't know too many people who are fascinating people who die young from natural causes Um, because generally fascinating people. Now I know some fascinating people who who died from alcoholism and a few other things, but in terms of someone who actually has tamed their demons, because, you know, someone who's too curious could maybe have some demons along the way. Um, I think when somebody is curious, they are naturally having a tendency to explore things that are actually gonna make for a more uh, interesting life and probably a, a more healthy life.
0: Uh, you know, as you were talking about that, part of the, I mean, this curiosity is very tied to learning and learning involves, learning is hard, right? It's like you something new, you have to, it's, it's difficult. But the reason, one of the reasons it's difficult is because it's involved with neurogenesis so you're, you're creating new brain cells, you're creating new connections. And as you were just talking about this, I hadn't really thought about the connection between curiosity and longevity, but that makes a lot of sense to me.
1: Oh, for sure. One of the things that we have focused on here at the Modern Elder Academy at MEA is not just lifelong learning, but long life learning. So long life learning is different than lifelong learning because... Lifelong learning could be this, you know, it sort of assumes that it's the same at age 30 or at age 60. But for long life learning, oops, what long life learning is all about um, is the idea of living a life that's as deep and meaningful as it is long. And it focuses on what are the most important topics that are going to be interesting to a 60-year-old that might not be interesting to a 30-year-old around purpose or wellness or community or, I mean, not to say that a younger person doesn't care about those things, but there's a ton of uh, social science research now that shows that purpose, wellness, and community are exceptionally uh, important to someone who's 50 and older. So I would just say um, knowing, and and also the way people learn is different at 50 or 60 than it is when they're 20 or 30. Um, We like to say here at MEA, wisdom is not taught, it's shared. And so a lot of times the best learning is learning that's done um, in collaboration with others. Uh, And that helps to open up doors of understanding um, for people because uh, frankly, the older you are, the less you love a lecture, sitting in the lecture.
0: So I've read a thing about um, how, you know, how people learn and it's, uh, it's It was the Harvard Business Review thing, and it was basically about like how to communicate with your boss. So you need to understand how your boss learns so then you can learn how to communicate with them. And so some people learn by reading, some by listening, some by speaking, um, some by doing, and some by seeing. So how, how do you learn?
1: <laughs> it's a, it, it, I'll tell you what I have a hard time. Re- reading, especially if it's reading instructions, I'm terrible at that. Um, I don't learn well if someone sort of just lays it out factually. I, when it comes to an argument, like a philosophy argument, yes. But when it comes comes to you know the instructions of how to build something or the directions, oh my god, I become the classic rebel. I don't want to look at them. I want to do it myself. Um, really,
0: I, I never would have guessed that of you.
1: Uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Maybe it's obvious. Um, so for for me, I think. I learn by doing, um, and I learn by laughing. Um, One of my key lessons around learning Spanish at age 60, I had a Spanish class this afternoon uh, in town here in Todos Santos, is that when I'm laughing and learning something, I'm not taking it myself too seriously. I am focusing on enjoying myself, and therefore I am more apt to continue it, and, I'm building a rapport with the person I'm learning with that um, allows me to sort of say, yeah, I want to go back and see Yvonne, my teacher. And so there's a great TED Talk by a, a polyglot. I didn't know what that meant, but polyglot is somebody who owns who knows <clears throat> many languages, I guess. Um, and I learned this from her in, in the TED Talk. She just said, listen, I, I know eight languages because I've learned how to have fun with each of the languages. Um, and I think that's a really good um model for all of us is how do you learn how to have fun? And how do you actually keep an eye on what are the triggers that tend to take you to a fixed mindset as opposed to a growth mindset? Um, a growth mindset is focused on improving and learning. A fixed mindset tends to focus on proving yourself and winning. so you only like to play games that you know you can win. And yet if you only want to play games you can win, your sandbox gets smaller and smaller and smaller as you get older because you only do the things that you do well. And, um, and so long story short is, I just think the key here is to be open to having a sense of humor, to laugh, and uh, to not take it all so seriously.
0: That's how I learned Swahili. Swahili is a really funny language. You know Swahili? It's the easiest language in the world, it's made up. It's not like <clears throat> native language, it's, it's like Esperanto.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's spoken in East Africa and South Africa. So because there's like 10 zillion tribes and they all speak their own language and somebody said, well, listen, we got to figure out something so everybody can speak. And so they made up this like really simple language. Mm. Um, I haven't spoken Swahili in a few years, but I could, you, you, you could learn it in like five days. It's oh, like the wow. easiest thing.
1: That's, a, that's, a, that's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really fun. <laughs> it's, Wait, it's all, so, just think Lion okay. King. <laughs> so what led you to wanting to learn Swahili?
0: I was in Tanzania. For a,
1: for a long time or for a short time?
0: I was there for a month. Mm-hmm. And I um, before I went, I looked at it a little bit. And then when I went, and I would say words in Swahili, the locals would just freeze. They'd be like, what's up with white man? <laughs> 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 and, then, and then it just got like really fun. Um, but, I, you know, for me, I, I realized... I don't know what I, I don't know what I know until I say it. So I, mm-hmm. I, I learn by speaking. So mm-hmm. I, I learned by somebody asking me a question, like what's whatever.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then I'll say it. And then as I say it, I think, Oh, I didn't know that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Where'd that come from? Where'd that come from? <laughs> Was that me?
0: <laughs> um, so, you know, with curiosity, do you find that curiosity can be fueled? Can you activate it with someone who is incurious?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think if someone say, let's say someone's incurious, I think the the curious question I would have for that person <laughs> is why are you incurious, and and what are the reasons for it? And I would say there's usually maybe four reasons. Number one is I'm too busy to be curious, and that's a, I understand that one because it's like curiosity is not necessarily efficient. You know, I mean, anybody who said, yeah, Peter Drucker can go off and learn and become the world's leading expert in something in two years. I don't have time to do that. I've got four kids that I'm, you know, bringing up while I'm trying to you know, put bread on the table. So people who have too much on their plate, could be one reason someone's incur- incurious. That doesn't mean that they're going to be incurious their whole life, though. Um, I, th- that could be temporary incuriosity. <laughs> um, another reason is someone could be depressed. So um uh, curiosity is almost the opposite of depression. So depression is a closing down. In many ways, a person gets depressed because they're actually, in some ways, lowering their expectations. They've been disappointed a lot. Disappointment equals expectations minus reality. And if you've been disappointed a lot and you, because your expectations are high and re- reality turned out to be low, you may get to a place where you just say, you know what, I, I, I'm lowering my expectations so low <clears throat> that I am no longer curious and no longer have much hope in life. And so curiosity opens up possibilities. And so curiosity can be a great solution for someone who's depressed. Um, and there's a, some actual you know, psychological uh, research on this. So if that's the reason a person's incurious in is because of the depression, well, that's, this could be a solution for depression without even using meds potentially. Um, Another reason for uh, a lack of curiosity is because someone has just stopped using their brain and they've sort of just become a couch potato. And what they love doing is just sitting, you know, and doing binge watching Netflix. And now Netflix, so let's say someone does that or they're watching just, you know, I don't know, TV all day long. Well, you could try to take an activity that makes you a couch potato and then try to, flip it on its head and say, how could I be curious in this thing that I'm comfortable with? Because a lot of times what people do for that is they're doing that for pure comfort. But how can you add a little twist of curiosity? So what would that mean? Well, if you're doing binge Netflix uh, watching, how do you actually get curious about something new to watch on Netflix? Which would be a way to sort of take in curiosity to curiosity. And then I'd say the final way a person could be in and, and and you could use curiosity to help solve that is if somebody um, is just too judgmental or too rigid in their dogma of life and they sort of know everything and they don't wanna learn anything new. Um, and those are people I try to stay away from. So I wouldn't even try to solve it with them. The, unless, unless unless there's a really important reason for why I need to be helpful with them. And if, if there if there is, then I will ask a question that will try to open it up, what's a good question that would open up a person who's just judgmental? I mean, well, let's let's get political for a moment. There's, <clears throat> I'm not gonna talk about Trump versus Biden or anything like that, but what I'm gonna say is there are people who are so strident in their opinion that they don't wanna hear anything else. And so I love having a conversation with someone like that. Um, and what I, what I, the number one question I would ask them to help them to move them from in curiosity to curiosity is, so tell me about the life history of the person on the other side of the aisle from you, who is, let's say you're extremely liberal or conservative. Um, it, this, so you're an extreme liberal and there's someone who's an extreme conservative and you hate that person. How did they get to be who they are? And helping them to tell the story of how that person became who they are is actually a pathway to curiosity. Because it's a pathway to empathy, and it's a and so yes, it sometimes can be sound like ridiculously caricaturish of how they describe that person, but it's actually helping them to start to empathize with another person, and the process of empathy is a process toward curiosity.
0: Wow, that's brilliant! <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that. You're so I, good at this, Jim. You know, you know, I'm a psychologist, you know, at heart. I just, <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, I've actually, it's funny, I took one psychology class in college. And uh, and then, uh, you know, a few years ago, after I had written three books in a row that were all about psychology and business, um, a very prestigious university gave me, gave me an honorary doctorate in psychology. And so now I can drive without a license <laughs> <laughs> by being Dr. Conley um, and pretending I know something about psychology.
0: I, I, I'm still, I'm, I'm, marveling at this trick about the, how did the other, um, in your, in your, like, if you, just as you were doing that, I was sort of like you right away, you're like activated my imagination. It was like, Oh, okay. So how did they get to be like that? Were they born like that? Like what happened yeah, exactly. to them? How did they get there? What's their, and like in a flash, suddenly I can, I'm in their shoes. That's, that's great. Um, so curiosity and learning. So you, you you read a lot, right? You read like tons. How do you read? Like how do you, do you have different techniques for different kinds of books? I, I know I do. Yeah, right? but.
1: I, 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 I'll, I'm terrible. I, in the sense that if a, if a book or a movie doesn't capture me in the first 20 minutes, um, I sometimes read to the end. <laughs> okay and, and see what's at the end um and they oh wow if it's really interesting and then I'll I'll give it another 20 or 40 minutes maybe I'll give an hour um if it's a, if it's a book if it's a movie I'll maybe give it another 20 minutes um but i i i, I that's what i t- tend to do is to, to to see if it's capturing me early i mean on occasion what i'll also do is i will read if if i'm not captured immediately by the narrative of the book i will Go to the next chapter and read the first three three paragraphs, and then the last three paragraphs of that chapter. Because usually, that's the sub, you know the, the sort of setup and the summary helps me to understand the key theme there. And then if I like, wow, that's pretty interesting, I'll read that chapter, um, and and know that some some books are not meant to be read from from front from cover to cover, you know, chronologically or sequentially. Uh, one of my books, Emotional Equations. Is definitely not that is like a box of chocolates, and if you try to go and read from one end to the other instead of taste testing certain chapters, um, you're gonna actually get uh, uh, you know, like engorged with the indulgence of eating too many chocolates at once. So I I, I would just say understanding the pace of a book. I also look for authors that I really love to read. So like Pico Iyer is an amazing author on travel. And he's got just sort of a mindful perspective on the world. Um, and so I love his books and I love his writing. I could read anything that he would write.
0: I have, um, so this idea of like not finishing a book, this is a new idea to me this year. Oh, wow. It was sort of like the vegetables on the plate. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a, I am just like, uh, I'm a pathological upholder. So if I say I'm going to do something or if I start yeah. something, I'm, I must finish or it causes me tremendous dissonance. Mm-hmm. So, but this year I realized the most valuable thing in my life is time. Yes. And I'm not going to give time to something that I think is dumb. Yeah. So I'll, you know, if something, um, you know, similar to you, if it's something I think is not worth my time, I don't finish reading it or I find a lot of, they're really awesome, great books, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I, I love Talib, like Talib mm. is yeah, for sure. super for dense, sure. yes. very hard to read, but not something you skim through. I find that there's a lot of these sort of like biz book, how to do books yeah. that it's really, you can just read the, um, the title of the chapters. And and you get
1: it. <laughs> it should have been an article. Yes. It oh a, my God! Not a, please, not a, not a fifty thousand. It should have been a five thousand word article, not right. a fifty thousand word book. Fire uh,
0: the fire the book agent. Like, how did you yeah. sell this? Oh, yeah. Waste of paper. But then, you know, I also I'm not trained as a writer at at all. And You're had, so
1: good. Uh, You're so damn good. Well, because
0: I write like I talk. I don't know any other way to do it. But I run out of words.
1: It's so, very personal though. Your, your, your approach is very personal. And I think that that's, you know, that it comes from a place of well, it, Frankly, it often comes from a place of inquisitiveness and um, we, you take us on a journey. You're sort of like a Sherpa who takes us on a journey.
0: Thank you. That's um, that's very kind of you. I, I'm, I, I have a certain uh, sense of uh Inferiority and, and inadequacy around this. So, uh, what I do is, I've um, a, a lot of the books I read are to gain words and gain language. So I read, uh, oh, like Neil Stevenson. So I'll read like some huge Neil Stevenson books, so um, Snow Crash or Kryptonomicon, mm-hmm. something like that just so I can like go into that world and, mm-hmm. and get that language. Because if I, I find if I write for like three or four hours, I don't need words left. Like I've just, the word bank's empty. I got to fill the word bank up.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. You know, <clears throat> it's like extrovert introvert writers. That'd be interesting because sometimes people get energy. I'm the opposite. I get, I get energy from the writing and, ah. um, um, when I'm at my best with the writing, which is usually about five in the morning, um, it's like William Blake. The art, the author said, or artists and author said, sometimes um, I'm just taking dictation, and that's what it feels yeah. like. I'm, de- you know, my writing process can feel very much like dictation, and I end up in these little journeys of my, and, and I don't burn out. Actually, it's like that getting in the flow. I get in the flow. That's and what I was going to say. Lose yeah. track of time and. Words just sort of like pop up. And I, and that's why I, when it comes to the writing part of this, oh, man, I'm terrible if you just say, oh, give it to, you know, I, I can do something on deadline quickly. But when I have to, I write a daily blog called Wisdom Well, as I think you know. And when I have to write like a few Wisdom Well posts because it, it's posted every day and I better like store up five or six at once. I don't want any distractions. I want two hours, three hours, four hours, whatever it is to just see where this journey is gonna take me. And and, and so um, I often go for a walk in nature first and that just sort of like stirs me up a little bit. And then I go and shut myself in a room and I don't have any distractions for the next two or three hours because I really want to take dictation. And um, in te- taking dictation, the words just flow. It's
0: remember we had we had BJ Fogg on Happy Hour yeah, and how yes. he was late because he like was in this st-
1: track of me. He, yeah. totally right? he was also he was also was he no, was he on some kind of <laughs> hallucinogen? I don't know. No, he wasn't. He, he wasn't. he <laughs> wasn't. One of the hallucin- few
0: that wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. We, should, we should have called happy hour altered states.
1: Altered like, yeah. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a lot of chemicals involved there. Um That's, that's interesting. And so with your, this idea of, uh, of curiosity and learning and growth, I think it's, I'm, it's interesting what you're saying about, you you have so much experience with taught, with learning, helping people learn who are our age and Mm -hmm. seeing that they learn in a different, I don't feel that I learn in a different way than I did earlier. I think I learned more efficiently than I used to.
1: Well, let me let me let me tell you. Yeah, let me get, talk a little bit about what MEA does as a learning journey for people. It's very experiential, um, and it sneaks up on people. So when someone's coming here, they think they're going to be sitting in a, in a classroom talking about, you know, how to become more uh, of a, a mentor in the world. Or actually, the first thing that they learn is um, everybody in the room sharing like, if you really knew me, and talk, and how do you how do you learn how to be vulnerable with a collection of people you've just met? The very next morning you learn how to start baking bread, and you're gonna have a, a cohort of three or four people you're gonna bake bread with in the week. Like, really? Breaking bread? What are you talking about? Oh, later in the week you're gonna learn how to surf if you choose to. Um, you're gonna learn improv. You're actually gonna learn how to do some improv. Um, you're gonna learn how to do meditation or yoga if you choose to. Um, so almost all of it's optional, but almost everybody does it. And um, that process of people actually opening themselves up to trying something they haven't done before. We have a poetry and lyrics night where people actually talk about the poetry and lyrics that most were most important to them. And I'd say about a quarter of people actually bring out their own stuff and said, here's a poem I wrote yesterday on the beach when I was looking at a sea turtle uh, that was trying to make it to the ocean having just been hatched. And, And so, The part that I think people need to understand is there's a non-linearity in the process of learning that says, if I can get myself into a curious state of mind and that growth mindset, then I can try just about anything. And that's when people recognize, my God, I do not feel my age. Um, And that's, that's part of what we offer here.
0: And do you, I know you've, you've mentored a lot of successful entrepreneurs. Um, Do you find that there's, because of the the entrepreneur, they're, they're, they're an interesting sort of character in that, you know, they tend to be very driven and single-minded and curious. Um, They want success. So that sort of like fear of making a mistake fights against the curiosity maybe Mm -hmm. lends them into more sort of group think at some point. I mean, how does that, how do those two, how do do you work with people like that?
1: It's a great question. So there's an actual, um, there's a process called appreciative inquiry. Uh, It was started by a guy named David Cooper writer and others. Appreciative inquiry at its heart is the idea of asking empathetic questions that open up possibilities. Because questions, a great question can illuminate a mind, <clears throat> a or a life, and so a, an empathetic question is not open is open ended as opposed to closed, and it's not a yes or no answer. It tends to come from a place that comes out of left field, that helps someone to see their blind spots or their possibilities. Um, so, what I would say to the listeners is, um, do a Google search on appreciative inquiry. Because as a technique, it's a spectacular way to help open up a person to things that they might not have thought about. And that is really often what I'm doing with young entrepreneurs um, is to get them out of that focused mindset. The young mind is exceptionally focused and fast. The older mind is synthetic and holistic and connects the dots in a sort of, uh, you know, in a, in a more systemic kind of way. And that's why mixing a young, genius, brilliant technologist with a modern elder, so to speak, who is curious and thinks systemically and holistically and has some emotional intelligence, that can be a very powerful combination, as long as both are learning from each other. I I will say that, yes, I've mentored Brian Chesky, the CEO of Airbnb, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. Um, they've, they've had very different years. Um, and the, the, the point of this is that if I'm only doing the teaching and I'm not learning as much from them as they are from me, then it, we haven't created a relationship of reciprocity. And when you create a reciprocity relationship, you've, you've become a mentor, a mentor and intern at the same time. And that is the ultimate way for us to learn as humans and frankly, in organizations.
0: Well, I, I need to look up appreciative inquiry. I don't know what that is, um, but I, I, I find that uh, um, I write a lot about our delusions that mm-hmm. these, um, I had a, uh, I forget what she was, a psychologist, psychiatrist, Tell many years ago, all human beings carry with them three core Delusions, self delusions about themselves. Mm-hmm. So they 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 either think they're very good at something and they're not. It's generally the other way. They're really good at something that they don't think they are. And so I I know when people have. So this is this is where my curiosity sort of short circuits. It's my curiosity about myself. Um, like I th- I I think of myself in a certain way, and I don't really. Examine that much unless I have somebody like you who says, Oh, you're kind of good at this thing. Have you thought about that? Or, David, you should really stop this thing. You suck at this. (laughs) Well, (laughs) don't do that anymore. (laughs) That doesn't happen too often, but. um...
1: No, we need people like that in our life too, though. I mean, you know, sometimes we need the truth tellers who just uh, help us to see that what we're trying to do is futile. But more often, we need the opposite. Uh, We need You know, uh, what I was called at um, Airbnb, because I had about 100 mentees, um, was I was called the confidant. Now, when I first heard someone say I was the confidant, you know, the the official confidant, I was like, well, damn, I'm not hearing as much juicy news as I would expect as a confidant. And then this French woman, who uh, was one of my direct reports, said to me, Chip, in, in France, when we think of confidant, we don't just think of someone who... Knows confidential information. We think of a confidant as someone who gives you confidence. Oh, I love that. Exactly, and so oh. the person who gives you confidence is the person who helps you to see what you can do, right? Talent you have, right? And so we all want that kind of confidant, and oh, and yeah. that that is really my role quite often with these entrepreneurs or you know anybody um, is to help them to see the possibilities of what they can do. Yeah.
0: Confidant. Yes. I mean, when you originally said it, I thought that's like a mobster sort of like on oh, a like consigliere or something. But well, exactly. Uh,
1: no, this is much nicer. And and someone else called me a permissionary. Oh, gosh, uh, you give so me the permission right. to actually do the things I want to do. Yeah. Because you help me to see I can do them. Now, let me say, like, if someone wants to go <laughs> right, um, you know, drive a car at age eight, I'm not going to be a confidant or a permissionary. (laughs) I'm not (laughs) going to give you the confidence or the permission to do that. So uh, what you have to do is be um, candid and empathetically brutal sometimes to sort of say, you know, you never get, you you don't have talent at 62 years old to become a, oops, 62 years old to become the an NFL linebacker you just don't have that talent and um so I think we you know we want people in our lives who are truth tellers and we also want people in our lives who can see the 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 possibilities in us that we might not see in ourselves
0: yeah I it's that's uh I love this conversation I wasn't expecting this to go this it always happens with you Chip um (laughs) you know the the uh, that idea of the the role of so the intersection of of curiosity and talent and i think that talent is something that we you know we cannot all do the thing that we want like I, I watched this michael jordan thing the other night like um he's like a singular human being um but like you know we're not going to play in the nba that's okay but Michael, what Michael did was Michael made Michael the best Michael could be, mm-hmm. and and so that's I think this um, interesting thing of the of the of the confidant. Like, let's have how can we make who you know make yeah. like David the best David he can be? What else? I mean, that's the Maslow thing, right?
1: It is Maslow, and of course, I, you know, one of my books called Peak. Who, the subtitle is How Great Companies Get Their Mojo from Maslow. So it's all about the, you know, how do you help people get to self-actualization? But I think part of the key is helping people to see the things they can't see in themselves yeah. that are not obvious to them. And that right. is really important. And, and it better be pretty accurate because if you sort of give people the impression that they're really good at something and then they go out and flail away, you really haven't been very helpful. Um, and so getting clear on what it is that somebody's good at, I think this is part of what we do at MEA is people come here, average age is 54 and let's say they're, the world has changed, you know, they're living longer. They know they're going to actually want to work till they're 75. And yet the knowledge they have is obsolescent in the industry that they were in and their Mm industry has been decimated for whatever reason. And so the question is, how do they, I call it same seed, different soil, how do they take some of the mastery that they've built, some of the talent they have that they don't even notice because it's so in, in, ingrained in them, right? and then apply it in a new place, in a new right. habitat, in a new industry? Um, and that's possible. And, and that and be- better be possible because, frankly, obsolescence is happening faster in a technological world. And so if you are in a position where you are only going to be able to Succeed because of the knowledge you learned in your twenties or thirties, man. You're you are setting yourself up for failure in your forties, fifties, sixties, and seventies.
0: Well, the the superpower there is curiosity, right? That's the cure to the whole thing. Takes us back to the
1: start. Yeah,
0: exactly. So if 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 one becomes curious about something, I don't know, like whatever it is, if the thing that you become curious about has value in the world. Um if they're like whatever that Venn diagram is and you become really good and really knowledgeable, whatever this thing is, um you write your own ticket. Um mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Oh gosh, Chip, thank you.
1: <laughs> David, it's always it's always a joy. I'm I'm really glad we got the chance to walk the other day in San Francisco. Oh yes. And we were curious enough to walk up those old Filbert steps to tower. Know, the top of Coit tower and t- yes. Telegraph Hill. And, you know, it, it, that was, that was, that was great. And I felt it a little bit the next day in my legs. <laughs> oh, okay. I loved it though. I loved it. You, you know, you're in good shape and I, I'm in moderately good shape, but you know, it was, that was great.
0: It was, it's always great to spend time with you. I, I feel like, um, you, you have a way of, uh, leveling out the edges i can say that right thank you thank you the 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 up and down it's like oh no oh yeah, and you're like oh no (laughs) it's okay
1: (laughs) it's okay it's okay yeah that's what a therapist is supposed to do so (laughs) (laughs) dr chip all right david great to see you yeah Uh, look look forward to getting you into a uh stable place at home in park city oh yeah yeah well
0: and and i heard that um Hopefully by the time this, well, by the, I'm not sure, I think we release this in January, the, um, I heard that I'm on the schedule to get a vaccine, like the first week of February.
1: How? What, so, what, bingo. Why? Why? What, 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 uh,
0: uh, well, uh, because I'm a resident of Utah, which is a socialist, theodemocratic state, um, and they are incredibly organized. Oh, so, man. like, if you want something done, get the Mormons to do it. They're, like,
1: <laughs> super
0: organized. I mean, they, you know, they, they have some issues, but... Like yeah. that's not one of them.
1: Wow, um, that's great. So they, okay. they have the, I can't they, wait to read about that in Aegis. <laughs> I'm
0: I'm hearing from a friend of mine who's a big hospital official. She told me the entire state of Utah vaccinated end of March. Boom. Wow. Done. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. Good to know. So that. We'll see. Hopefully.
0: Hopefully they do that.
1: <laughs> All right. I'll All right, see man. you soon. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much, Chip. Take All care, right, man.
0: Bye. Mm-hmm. bye. Gosh, it is so great to have Chip around. I just, I just love Chip. He is such a positive influence in my life and it's the lives of so many other people. You know, Chip called me about five years ago and he wanted my thoughts on a book that he was working on called Wisdom at Work, Making of a Modern Elder. And we had a little chat about that. And we've been in touch ever since. He's just a wonderful guy, such a positive influence. Um, you know, he'd he mentioned uh, he mentored Brian Chefsky at Airbnb for a number of years. And, you know, he's um, he's one of those guys You just it's just great. Every time I talk to him, I feel better about it. He was also my host for season one of Happy Hour, which all those episodes are recorded on the front of the Aegis website. And we have they were great. We had such wonderful people. You know, we had Norma on. we had Danny Meyer, we had Leslie Blodgett, who started Bare Minerals. It was just a really good time. So if you want to see any of those, go on the front of the Aegis website. And I should mention that Chip is also, he's, he's written five books. He's written a New York Times bestseller. And if you want to know anything about those or about more about Chip, you can go to chipconnelly.com. And they're all there. And, of course, there's the Modern Elder Academy, which is growing by leaps and bounds. And I think they're up to something pretty big uh, in New Mexico. I don't know how much I can say about that, so I won't. Uh, but uh, if you wanna know more about Modern Eldercom, just Google Modern, Modern Elder Academy, and it's all there. Please, um, Please rate the podcast, that's always great. Please leave us a review, that really helps. And if you'd like to get in contact with me directly, if you have any suggestions about the show, if there's something you think we could do better, I respond to every email I get. David at superage.com. Hit me up, it would be great to hear from you. Everyone, have a wonderful week. Looking forward to seeing you next week. Thanks. Bye now.